Hey, it's the Baldy Bishops. Yeah, Colin. Hey, man, you alright, man? Okay. Good. Yeah, um, having some Kenyan coffee this morning, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Medium, medium dark roast can. I prefer light, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's okay. Some coffee is better than no coffee. <laughs> well, depends. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, I've been known to when someone says tea or coffee, and I prefer good coffee. I, I, I always yield toward tea rather than I'll bad coffee. I always choose tea when I'm in someone's home. Always, mm. just you just don't know what you're gonna get. You, you don't. Know? Yeah. <laughs> It's like a box of chocolates. I'd rather, I'd rather drink bad tea than bad coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. So uh, last night we carried on with this, um, this this theme of family, you know, and, and one anothering one another. Uh, Ephesians, um, there's quite a bit of it happening. There was, uh, we saw in the beginning of chapter four, the united family, hmm. um, which I was disappointed. I couldn't get the word Manchester at the beginning of that, but... Anyways, uh, just talking about how, um, as a family, we're all component parts of a, of a whole. Mm. Um, the Spirit assimilating gifts to each and every one of us uh, for, the, for the purpose of fulfilling the ministry in unity. Mm. Um, and then we went on and we looked at a forgiving family um, at the end of chapter 4 and seeing that there is something distinctly different meant to occur in the context of uh, the family of the local church. And how we interact with one another, we should be quick to forgive, not letting the sun go down on our wrath and, mm-hmm. and all of that. But forgive uh, to the measure of how Christ forgave, which is like, okay, forgive unconditionally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and this time we, we get to chapter 5, and, and the last two uh, the, the last two one another's are at the end of this passage we're going to look at, but verses 1 to 21. Um, and these are the last two in Ephesians, and we're going to move on to, to Philippians mm-hmm. after that. But essentially what we see is what it looks like to be a spirit-filled family. Mm. Um, so we're not going to read all the verses like we did last night, but we'll we'll definitely allude to them uh, as we go through. But I think there's a really important word at the beginning of verse number one, and maybe we can uh, speak into this for a minute, but it's the word therefore. Mm-hmm. So again, we've looked at forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven us. That's the last thing said to us in chapter four. And then... Chapter 5, verse 1, he says, therefore. Yeah. Which is alluding back to what it means mm. to be a forgiving family. Mm. Yeah, like if, yeah. there's no chapters in the original, so. Yeah, no, that's good, yeah. Continuing the thought. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, it's basically, chapter 4 ends saying we should exhibit tender, kind, Christ-like forgiveness to one another. Mm. And immediately he says, therefore, be imitators of God. Yeah, because yeah. that's what he's like. That's yeah. right, yeah. So uh, I feel like this passage uh, splits itself up into two sections, the spirit-filled person and the spirit-filled family. But again, there's this idea of um, being imitators of God, it mentions here. And we're going to get to some of the finer details of, of being a spirit-filled person here in just a minute. But it's being imitators of God. And this is kind of the, a major theme of, of this, uh, this passage. Uh, verse 3 uh, mentions that sexual sin and covetousness is not fitting for the saints like us. Uh, verse 4 forbids us from mocking one another and calls us to give thanks. Verses 6 and 7 call us not to join in in any deceitful activity because God loves truth. Verse 9 calls us to goodness, righteousness, and truth 
which verse 10 uh, refers to as acceptable to the Lord. Mm. Uh, Verse 15 says then that we should walk circumspectly, which means diligently, purposefully, intentionally. Um, Verse 16 calls us to live our lives in a way that redeems time, that makes the most of every moment for the glory of God by yielding to the Spirit's work of Christ's likeness in us. That's a that's a Route 66 kind of summary of, I think, of, of what we're seeing in relation to being imitators of, of God in those passages. Um, but quite specifically, there's this element of, um, of again, we're, we're going back to it. It's um, gospel identity. And um, where, where do you see gospel identity in these first verses, Alan? Anywhere? So we do it in verse one. Uh, we're imitators of God as his dear children. So mm. we're, we're prized, precious, treasured children. Um so we're not doing this to become his children. We're doing it because we are his children. So this is a response to God's grace and mercy in our lives. It's mm. a, it's everything we read here. You know, I think of many sermons preached where get really heavy on this sort of thing. Mm. And you know, it is heavy stuff. But mm. this is a this is a life of freedom that we have. All of this stuff that we're called to put off here and um, is because we're free in Jesus. Because mm. we're his. Because we're the children of God. And v- verse two. Christ loved us and gave himself for mm-hmm. us. So that that's who we are. Um, verse three, we're saints, we're holy ones now. So mm-hmm. verse one to verse three, in, in all of these commandments, there is still, and this is who you are. Um, verse eight, you were once darkness, but now you're light. Walk as children of the light. Mm-hmm. So yeah, our, our identity is like richly tied into everything that's mm-hmm. being said here. This isn't so we get our identity. Mm-hmm. This is because of who we are as, as uh, Christ's treasure precious treasured people yeah it's important to mention this isn't the first therefore in ephesians over and over again we're getting the passages where it says therefore and it's all building to a crescendo from previous things chapters one to three all about our identity in christ who Mm -hmm. we are in christ and in chapter four there's a therefore at the beginning of the chapter which carries with it that same context into being a united family Mm. um, which carries the same context into being a forgiving family and now that same context of this is who you are in Christ mm-hmm. um, now carries on into the theme of um, this is what a spirit-filled family is as well. And um, I was recently just um, listening to someone talking about how Christians can um, be be good for nothing. <laughs> I can become a good for nothing Christian, um, and that's just that's just not true. It's just not true. Um, now I can I can be not fulfilling God's calling in my life, um, and I really believe the gospel will break through and lead me to obedience to that eventually. But no matter where I'm at, whether I'm in a rut, or whether I'm, um, you know, in as it were, in the victory lane, in terms of resisting temptation, this and that, there's never a moment when I'm a good, bad, when I'm a good witness, when I'm a bad witness. Mm. Um, when I'm um, resisting temptation, when I've just given in to temptation. Mm. Um, when I've guarded my tongue in relationship, or when I've um, accidentally, or not accidentally, <laughs> most purposely. <laughs> yeah, most purposely, but when I've um, when I've actually had a go at somebody, mm. regardless of where I'm at, I will never be good for nothing in Christ's eyes, because I bear His righteousness. Yeah, He's pleased in me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible makes that clear over and over again in the New Testament that for, for Christ's sake, God is always pleased in me. Mm-hmm. 
and you carry that into this whole idea of being spirit-filled, which is which makes it more powerful, actually. So we get to verse 18, which really deals with this whole idea of being filled with the Spirit. But before we can get to that, um, it, it says, Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation. I think ESV says debauchery. Uh, but be filled with the Spirit. And uh, here's a contrast, I think, between the two. Uh, being drunk with wine and being filled with the Spirit. How would you differentiate between the two, Alan? You told me you said you think you have a contrast. And you're asking me what the contrast that you think it is. is I do, yeah. In your mind. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's about what controls us. So in this mm-hmm. scenario, in verse 18, if you're drunk with wine, you're controlled by wine. Um, you're under its influence or you're under... Or, and the contrast is to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So is that, is mm. that what you're getting into? Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's good. That's definitely part of it is being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Wine controls you. The Spirit should control us, right? Um, but also to, to be drunk with wine. Th- those who live in a drunken state, right? Um, there's, there's constant temporal satisfaction. Anyone who's ever lived a party lifestyle will tell you there's an element of pleasure mm. to living that type of lifestyle. And um, there's temporary pleasure in it, but that, that pleasure goes away. And I like the way that um, the New King James actually translate that, which is, which is dissipation. Um, dissipations like that law of thermodynamics, you know, that, that heat without a source will eventually dissipate, will eventually go away. And and wine goes from something enjoyable and possibly supplementary when an individual uh, becomes drunken or filled with wine. Mm. Um, that, is, that is the very definition of drunkenness, though, to be filled to the point of intoxication. Mm. And um, the enjoyment of something as beautiful as the fruit of the vine... Um, which which God actually made dissipates when drunkenness occurs. Hmm. So the the main folly is looking for our ultimate satisfaction in something other than God. Um, to be filled with wine is to seek ultimate fulfillment in earthly pleasures, which inevitably dissipate. Hmm. And and here God says, "Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but rather instead of being drunk with wine." He says, be filled with the Spirit. And this is this is the same principle of the whole chapter, isn't it? I think this whole chapter is being filled with that which does not fulfill mm. and being filled with that which does fulfill. Mm. And over and over again, I think we're, we're realizing that. Um, but there's something underlying this whole thing, and we're going to get into it here in a minute, which is which is the, the principle of Christ-likeness. So it's not just being filled with what fulfills and what doesn't fulfill. But we're talking about specifically being filled with Christ, aren't we? Um, but that which is temporal, um, we're talking about characteristics, we're talking about attitudes, there's some activities listed in the whole bullet point, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this kind of approach here. Um, it's the opposite of Christ-likeness, right? For example, fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, filthiness, um, foolish talking, coarse jesting. Um, how was how that rendered in the ESV? Something like... Um, mindless talking or something like that, um, idolatry, lying, drunkenness. So, so here's the point. When we're filled with these things, it's impossible for us to be filled with the Spirit. So that's that's the reality of it. When these things are filling us, we know that we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Or so it's when we're filled with this, it's an indication that we're not filled with the Spirit. Is that yes, what you're saying? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. So I, I gave an analogy last night, and maybe you and I can both bounce off of this this illustration and speak into it. Uh, but it's 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 so so back when we when we used to live in the states, and every time we go back now, it's like culture shock all over again. We, we to be honest with you, we feel more at home here than we do there. But um, they, if you go to a restaurant or something, let's say you order a Coca Cola. Um, you know, I want the Coca-Cola, that's what I ordered. But they'll put like loads and loads of ice in the glass. So that means they don't have to put near as much Coke. And in the long run, they save money. You know what I mean? Um, but they put all of this, they fill this glass with ice, which is meant to be supplementary. And they put very little bit of the other stuff in it. So um, I think that's a pretty decent illustration in understanding what's being said here. Because the Holy Spirit wants to fill us. In fact, the Holy Spirit indwells us permanently. So he's always actively involved in this work of pointing us to Christ and producing Christ-likeness in us. And um, and we can't be filled with the Spirit if we don't yield to the Holy Spirit's work. Cannot, cannot be filled with the Spirit. And um, the ice is something that we don't necessarily want a whole lot of. And the more we're filled with the Spirit, you were saying this earlier, I think it's a powerful um, analogy, that the more that we're filled with the Spirit, the more the, the glass fills up until the ice eventually topples over mm. and you're just filled with the Spirit. But again, like, I can't do that, right? That's a work that I actually cannot accomplish mm-hmm. on my own. It's a work that only the Holy Spirit can accomplish in me as I'm being pointed to Christ and yielding to the Spirit's work of Christ-likeness in me. So he's trying to fill me, and what I have to do is yield the white flag hmm. to the work that he's trying to do. Hmm. Is that? Yeah, man, that's good. Um, so we we don't we drink of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, um, in First Corinthians it says that we we're all made to drink of the Spirit. So hmm. this is a you know this idea of this is an analogy that Paul's using that and that he's used often. Um, Jesus says in John seven. If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And it says, now this is, this he said about the spirit. So it's, as I look to Christ, you know, so we were talking about this before we recorded, like, it's not that we, if we get rid of all this stuff in verse one to 15, that we will then be filled with the spirit. It's that as we're filled with the spirit by looking to Jesus, Mm -hmm then these things will begin to leave us. So otherwise I'm left, I'm left in my own strength and wisdom to try to figure out how to stop doing all this sinful stuff, mm. hoping that the spirit will somehow come in mm. after that. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. That's not, that can't be what happens. So mm. yeah, it's, it's the spirit. As I look to Jesus, he fills me so yeah. I can live for him. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the previous verses are talking about what it looks like to, to, to live for temporal things that don't fulfill fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talking, coarse jesting, idolatry, lying, drunkenness. Those are all temporary things they don't fulfill. Um, and those are absol- actually uh, uh, antonyms to Christ-likeness. So obviously, if the Spirit's uh, at work in us, these things will not be evident in our lives. Um, on the contrary, to be filled with Christ-like characteristics and attitudes that do fulfill is evidence of the fact that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. Mm. Um, and there are several things mentioned 
in those verses as well tucked in, walking in light, walking in love, walking in truth, goodness, righteousness. Um, I'm sure there's something else in there that I'm missing. Kindness, I think, is in there somewhere. Filled with the filled with the Spirit. So, so when when the Spirit fills us, Christ-like characteristics and attitudes will emerge because we've successfully gone to Christ, and the Holy Spirit has successfully filled us with Christ-like. Um, attributes and attitudes, and that's that's not that's not moralism. Mm. That's seeking Christ. Mm-hmm. That's looking to Christ. It's following Christ. It's yielding to the Holy Spirit. And once I become an individual who's full of the Holy Spirit, then and only then can I do what the Scripture says uh, as as we go on in this passage. And again, we're we're taking with us this uh, identity as a, a family who have their identity in Christ settled and secured. And um, before we get to the whole spirit-filled family thing, it's important to note that a spirit-filled person is a gospel-centered person. And that's so important. Yeah. A spirit-filled person is a gospel-centered person because the work of the spirit is to point us to the gospel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and after we get a hold of that, then we can move on to the second point, which is a spirit-filled family. So do you mind reading verses 19, 21? Yeah, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Hmm. Here's the first one another of uh, Ephesians 5 here. Speaking to one another. Hmm. Speaking to one another. And it says specifically about how we're meant to be speaking to one another, but but essentially what I'm supposed to be doing is glorifying uh, God with my lips to my brethren. So I'm meant to be speaking the gospel to my brethren. Now, how does how does that look in this passage, in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs? So obviously the psalms we're talking about the the Old Testament psalms. A lot of times they would come together and sing those psalms together. Uh, we even find that in the New Testament, a lot of the, the apostles and the preachers are actually quoting messianic principles from the Psalms. And New Testament believers here were singing Psalms. They were singing hymns. They were singing uh, spiritual songs. Now, why, why do you think, Alan, why do you think God puts a big emphasis on music? Because here's an entire verse, basically, committed to dealing with the idea of melody and singing and mm-hmm. music. Yeah, just just before answering that, so it says be filled with the Spirit, and there's there's like we were talking about last night. There, what when you see that and you think, what would that look like? That looks like mega stuff. That looks like mm-hmm. you know Samson and all these big massive things that can take place. And so it be filled with the Spirit, and you're like, what does that look like to be filled with the Spirit? So and the first response is speaking to one another in this music mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's just like mm. that stuff we do on a Sunday morning it, um, no you can do it without being filled with the spirit yeah uh, you can just do go through the motions mm-hmm. but I, I'm, if I'm filled with the spirit and I walk in to sing with my brothers and sisters or even with I'm one on one with somebody like we did yesterday we went to the Psalms um, so I, I, I'm I'm taking the truths of God's word and I'm applying it to their lives and the music I'm not saying to you just one on one. That might not happen ever. I don't think. But why not? <laughs> but uh, congregationally, um, I, I'm taking. 
I'm taking the truths of God and and the the emotion that that's meant to also provoke in me, and I'm giving it to my brother and sister, mm-hmm. so so they can respond to the truth with emotion, which is what we're supposed to do. Yeah, because I think growing up, I always um, associated being filled with the Spirit with something like um, massive, and which it is massive, but not in the way that. I was made to think it would be like, right, that when I'm filled with the Spirit, I'll be able to preach to like 3,000 people like mm-hmm. Peter did. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, you know, be able to, to pray and someone's like instantly healed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like these, these big, massive kind of tasks. But God actually says being filled with the Spirit looks about looks like being Christ-like in almost like what we would think maybe are insignificant things just, just the daily mundane life that's what it is man verse nineteen twenty one is daily mundane day by day which is what daily means just <laughs> just living my christian life amongst my brothers and sisters it's good man yeah yeah but, but he mentions he mentions music a couple of times here and um it's important to remember that god's the author of music you know he, he gave us the abilities and the creative ability to do and perform Music. Now, some people are going to to take uh, something like this and, and say, um, you know, music is now way up here on my measurement of spirituality because of verses like this. But actually, he's just saying um, it's, it's all about the gospel, isn't it? All of it. I mean, so through music, I'm meant to be communicating the gospel. So someone's like, so why, why can't I just do that through speaking? You know, because we preach and we teach, which I'm not trying to devalue teaching and preaching. It's mm-hmm. I think it's the greatest form of gospel teaching uh, that there is. But why why does music why is music such a powerful way of communicating gospel truths? Well, I, I think it's because music um, music has the ability th- through this kind of artistic thing that God's put in us. Music has the ability to resonate in ways that mere words don't. So it stirs certain emotions in us that you just speaking to me probably can't stir. It makes things resonate more deeply in me mm. than perhaps they would just through a normal conversation. Mm-hmm. And and God goes through great lengths to kind of say, here's, here's a great way um, to supplement the preaching and teaching of the gospel in your midst. Yeah, we don't all get the chance to preach, but we actually do. So on Sunday morning... When we gather together and we're singing hymns, like Paul puts one another before he puts the Lord there, you know, mm, speaking mm. to one another. Yeah. So filled with the Spirit, what does that look like? It looks like me walking in on Sunday and saying, I want to sing these truths to my brothers and sisters first. There we go. You know, yeah. I mean, to the Lord, yes, but yeah. I'm going to aim it at them because they, and they're aiming it at me, you know, and because mm. I need gospel reminding, I need gospel encouragement. Mm. So I need to be served the gospel. So when we're singing, it's not just like, all right, let's hurry up and get this all this singing out of the way before we get to the sermon. It's like this, these truths that were conveyed through music, I need to hear and you mm. need to hear. Mm. So let's all serve one another yeah. in this way. Yeah, if someone's like, let's hurry up and get through this, it's like we're preaching the gospel here. Yeah, this is the gospel. This is the character right. of God. This is his promises. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if, the, if, if we're picking the right hymns, you know, it, it'll be gospel-centered, mm. God-focused. So it's like, yeah, mm. and I need those. I need those. Mm. And I need the sermon. <laughs> I yeah, need the yeah. reading of his Absolutely. word. But God yeah. said here that part of being filled with the Spirit is that we come in and we sing to one another. 
Yeah, and and as sanctified art, you know, Jesus said, "Those who worship me must do so in spirit and in truth." As sanctified art, music has the ability to touch us deep down in ways that mere spoken words can't. And music is one of the most passionate forms of expression. So on Sunday mornings, man, I'm just thinking like, what do we need to be more express more passionately than the gospel? Mm-hmm. So um, I was actually saying to someone how, how much I was saying to the people last night how much I need for them to, to sing the gospel to me. Yeah, I, I need it. Mm-hmm. I need the gospel truths to resonate deep in my heart in ways that mere words sometimes can't can't touch me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 powerful. Um, singing to one, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Um, but also making melody in your heart to the Lord. So after he's talked about speaking to one another, uh, the gospel in this way, uh, he says, you know, making melody in your heart to the Lord. So glorifying God with my lips. Yeah. And we go back to the old uh, catechism. What is the chief end of man? Glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And I think that um, making melody in your heart to the Lord is a great way mm-hmm. of, of doing that. So we'd say, verse, just to summarize verse 19, it's it's joy and encouragement. So if I'm filled with the Spirit, you're going to see in me a desire to encourage my brothers and sisters and a desire to praise God with joy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm singing to them and I'm singing to the Lord. I'm singing to myself. So yeah, that if I'm filled with the Spirit, it's just going to look like that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm an encourager to my brothers and sisters and I'm, I have a heart of praise toward my God. Yeah, all of that's, all of that's building up. Um, this, is, this is the gospel work of the Spirit in me on a very like small scale, <laughs> like according to the world scan mm. uh, standards. Uh, yeah. And also it, it's, you know, be, being thankful is a big part of this as well. It says, um, making melody in your hearts uh, to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things uh, to God, the father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Speaking of that for a minute, Alan, um, what, what, what do you think God is kind of calling us to here? In a in a world of complaint, in our in our British, and I'm speaking as a British Irish, like I've lived in both, but we're we're both like this. We just just constantly complaining, grumbling, moaning. It's just, it's just like our natural, you know, leaning is to just be complaining all the time, grumbling all the time. Mm-hmm. If the weather's too hot, if the weather's too cold, if someone did this, if someone did that, and and God would actually have us rather than all that looking for the good and giving thanks. And giving mm. thanks in every situation, it says, always mm. for all things. Mm. And it's not that I'm working that up in myself. It's an indication whether or not I'm filled with the Spirit, mm. verse 20. So if I'm filled with the Spirit, I'll be a thankful person. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not It's not I'm going to, oh, no, I have to work this cheerfulness up in my own. It's No, it's an indication that you're filled with the Spirit. Mm. Do, do you think there's an element um, here, a principle of prayer in, involved? Do you think this is maybe a way of God calling uh, the church to... Praying together? Well, I mean, singing and making melody in your heart. So there's definitely a, you're, you're communicating to God and you're giving thanks to God. So mm-hmm. that's, yeah. like, that is prayer, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jesus was a thankful person as well, wasn't he? Um, how many times did he, um, before he broke bread, thank you, Father? Mm-hmm. How many times did he um, just say thanks over and over again as the third person of, or the second person of the Trinity, mm-hmm. him saying thanks? Um, mm-hmm. So, so if the Spirit's trying to produce a work in us, um, thankfulness is certainly um, one of those things. And and I think it's, it's, you know, just fundamentally as a Christian, 
there's this we've used this phrase over and over again this play on prepositional phrases i serve god because of not in order to so this element of thankfulness being at the heart of what christians do as they're filled with the spirit is a really important thing because it takes us back to the gospel it's really important for us to remember that i'm i'm thankful because of something um the gospel and how God has touched me, how God has changed me, how powerfully I see the gospel in my everyday life. Um, you know, yes, yesterday um, I had one of the most profound, like, um, displays of the power of the gospel in my life in a really long time. And without going into massive detail about it, um, I was really struggling, um, really struggling the night before, uh, or the couple of nights before, really. And um, God just really met me with the gospel where I was, when I needed the gospel, and He used you, and He used uh, my wife to point me to Christ, to make the gospel profound in my life, to show me how much I needed the gospel, that showed me how much the gospel can provide for my needs when I yield to Him. And uh, I think this idea of being thankful and serving God because of um, is is a really really powerful thing in the mm-hmm. life of a believer, and I think that's I think the Holy Spirit does that work. Yeah, I just think it's important to <clears> say <throat> as well that um, this isn't something we do externally. So speak, you know, I'm an encouragement. I've got a heart of praise. I'm giving thanks. Like we're not saying you have to like, even though you're even though your whole heart is like not feeling any of this, you're going to just try and fake it till you make it. This is the spirit of God working this in you. So it's a cheerful, you're a cheerful person Mm. on Mm. the inside. You know, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, right? Yeah. So it's, it's a joy that's in, that's within your heart, not something that you're just faking it. And I'm just going to give, I'm going to have to, Oh man, I have to give thanks for all this stuff. Even though it's like, it's a, it's a disposition. It's an attitude that, that the spirit of God's producing in you. Yeah, it's not that we're we're thankful um, through stubbornness. Yeah, you know, yeah. in spite of our situations, Break your teeth we just and give thanks. Yeah, no, yeah. that's not it at all. Yeah, it's the Holy Spirit doing the work, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. yeah. that would be stoicism, and that's not what we're trying to not at all say no. here. Yeah, nice one, man. All right. Uh, well, the last bit is submitting to one another in the fear of God. You know, this is the last one another of Ephesians, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So submitting to my brethren in the fear of God. What does that look like? Yeah, man. Uh, obviously, we submit to those who God has put over us, but this is a one another aspect. So it's just being humble um, and low, being humble and lowly, preferring other brothers and sisters, willing to yield mm. our own preferences, willing to yield our our opinions <clears throat> over to our brothers and sisters. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's an aspect of, of this word that potentially goes back to the um, to the Greek games. And the wrestling and, and all that type of stuff. And this idea of submitting uh, whenever um, you're in a wrestling match with someone. Mm. Um, but yeah, if, if, there, if whether it's a... Uh, whatever type of conflict it is. Whether it's a, a, a theological dispute. And I'm not talking about the major yeah. um, orthodox kind of fundamentals of the faith. I'm talking about trying to um, nitpick over uh, eschatology, Bible translations this and that um th- there are moments when we have to submit to one another mm. not necessarily say i agree with you mm. but we'd be willing to wave the white flag yeah. and uh and not continue on in, in the argument or not escalate things uh it may it may look like submitting um your free time when you know that you could do something very supplementary to you 
um, to sacrifice to that elderly person in, mm. in the congregation who needs someone to sit with them or needs someone to mow their grass or mm. do this or do that. It could look in a lot of different ways. Marriage-wise, I don't even have to give an illustration <laughs> of what it looks like mm. uh, to submit to one another. Um, but I'm just I'm just going to read um, a quote from from John Gill, and he was a famous uh, theologian of the past. But he's he's referring to this word submitting, and uh, he says it may be understood either in a political sense of giving honor, obedience, and tribute to like civil magistrates or royalty, since they are set up by God for the good of men. And it is a credit of religion for the saints to submit to them. Or, in an economical sense, thus the wife should be subject to the husband, children to their parents, servants to their masters. So it's this, it's this idea of no matter what setting you're in, submitting to one another. Mm. And I, th- I think there's something really, really beautiful about that. I love how he relates that to how someone submits to royalty. Mm. So like if... If King Charles said he was coming to to my house for whatever reason, man, I would I would bend over backward to mm. to honor him. You know what I mean? And what if I treated my brothers and sisters with that type mm. of mm. that type of honor? Um, just to kind of bring things to a close, I believe there's a cyclical, and you can you can jump in at any point if you have anything else to say as well. I think there's a cyclical process taking place in this chapter. I I think that we become spirit filled individuals as we yield to the Spirit's work of producing Christ-likeness in us, when He fills us to overflowing, we contribute to our family, our our church, as a Spirit-filled family. And as you're singing to me, speaking to me the gospel, as we are being thankful together, Mm. as we're submitting to one another, Mm. that actually spurs me on to be a Spirit-filled individual. Which, again, comes... Full circle yeah, again, just and contributes to the spirit filledness of the once you get, family. You know, there's water windmills, and the water starts going. Mm-hmm. Then, it that's it. You've got it turning. Then you know, and the water keeps turning, and it keeps turning, and that's the idea of like this is. I'm filled with the spirit, so I'm a gospel encouragement. I'm thankful in it from the heart, and I'm I'm a humble and submissive person, mm-hmm. and that. And if we're all doing that, it's just going to keep it going. It's just mm. going to keep being like that then amongst ourselves. So, so yeah, man, it's not, this isn't the grandiose stuff. And, you know, being filled with the Spirit, there's, there's four things it would it would be argued in these verses. Two of them are about how I treat my brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Two of them. Mm. Two of the four things about being filled with the Spirit. Mm. Two of them are about how I treat people. Um, and the other ones are just this, and it's all about attitude, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, I, I, I want to encourage you from the heart. I want to sing praise to God from the heart. I want to give thanks mm. with cheer from the heart. And I want to be humble towards you from the heart, not exterior. I'm going to just put it mm. on God, the Holy Spirit's filling us from within so that this flows out of us towards our brothers and sisters and then up to the Lord as well. Mm. I really want these things to be true in my life, but I also want them to be true in, uh, the lives of the life of the church. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, man. May God make it so. Mm. Thanks for listening to the Baldy Bishops podcast. If you wish to get a hold of us, you can reach us at baldybishops at gmail.com. Or just check us out on Facebook and Instagram on Blurton Baptist. Hey, do you want to go get an oatcake? Yeah, let's go up and